you hear anyone, they say, you know, the minute you get hit, I thought, oh, that's not for me. The minute I got it, I thought, oh, come on, come on then. <laughs> I sat there on my stool and I thought to myself, Simon, I thought, that's it. Even if I got one through, he got half a shoulder or half a block or half an elbow. And people ask me a lot, who was the best Pacquiao or Mayweather? I'd say Mayweather all day. How do you get to a point where you don't believe what he's saying? Because my dad's my dad. Blood sticker. He's, well, he's my dad's my dad, you know. As much as I love Billy, you know, my dad's still my dad. This is Up Front with me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views who think they can stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way. And more importantly, so might you. Joining me in today's episode, a boxer born out of Manchester who would rise to become a two-weight world champion. He experienced iconic highs against Costa Zoo and ultimate lows with Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. From the UK to Vegas, a legendary English crowd followed in a story of glory and personal challenge. The hitman, Ricky Hatton. Yeah, thanks for having me, Simon. Thank you. Nice to see you, mate. Yeah, good. You're not going to remember this, or you might remember it, but I'm, I always try and find a segue into the conversation about something that we might have had in common. And in 2004, I met you in Porto Banus. And you were in a pub in Lineker's having a drink. Yeah. And I came in with Ian Dowie. That's right, and I think yeah. we just got promoted and, I, and you irritated me because you were more interested in talking to Ian Dowie than you were to me. And I was like, but I'm the owner. Well, it made, you, me, it made what, me look better looking, what, what, that's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that absolutely. Was. I'll let you say that one. But so, I, sorry, Ian. But no, no, listen, I've got plenty of jokes about him. Um, anyway, look, Rick, the way that we, we start these conversations, the way that I start them, is to try and get underneath the bonnet and understand what it was that took you on the path that you went on in terms of how you got into boxing and the achievements that you had. So it gets framed in this sort of overriding statement of what is your why? What makes you do something? What what was your motivation to go into what is a very, very difficult sport? But I was getting um, picked on and beat up by a kid at school and... Um, my mum and dad were always doing these, you know, go and tell the teacher, go and tell the teacher. So I'd go and tell the teacher, but this 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 kid was knocking shit out of me every day, you know. So I thought, um, and then someone said to me, oh, he goes to the boxing gym, Rick, you know, down the road, you know, right. the Louvre Light Boxing Gym. So I said, oh, right. I thought I'll go, I'll go down there and give it a go. So, and I only really went to go to watch spa with this kid. Right. So I went to a couple of training sessions and then they put me in the ring sparring with him and he, he, peppered me a little bit and pinged me a little bit, you know, for the first couple of sessions. But then, you know, after a couple of weeks, I started getting the better of him and I was yeah. knocking lumps out of him in the end. And it, and I thought to myself, I thought, God, wow, it gave me such huge confidence in the sense that I thought, wow, this fellow was knocking lumps out of me a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and look what I'm doing yeah. now, you know. So it's sort of like, give me the comments. Incidentally, incidentally, you know, um, he's this kid off the estate and I still see him knocking about now. We're still right. pals, if you like. Mm -hmm. So that's another nice, but that's always the way we're boxing, isn't it? But yeah, then I was, uh, I was, I was, I was hooked then, and then just the just the training and the you know the the, the work ethic and stuff like that, you know that mm. you know that that comes with uh, with the boxing game. I just just fell in fell in love with the game. So that was the catalyst in terms of was it your dad's attitude to say go to the gym 
Or, I mean, how did you get to the gym in the first place? Well, my daddy, I had very good parents, to be honest with you. Back in the day, they used to run me about, whether it be to football, to boxing and that. And you need, you know, there's so many, very fortunate, no disrespect, there's a lot of parents out there that can't be bothered. They just sit on their ass and mm. they don't bother doing anything. But I had... I had parents that way, you know, if I wanted to go to the boxing gym, me and Matthew, we, they'd, they'd yeah. take us to the boxing gym. If they wanted to go to football, we'd take us to the football. Before the boxing, we both did kickboxing and, and stuff like that. And just seeing me, how hard they worked, you know, mm -hmm. working in the carpet shop in the afternoon, yeah, craft, then yeah. coming to the yeah. pub, working at night, collecting glasses, picking glasses up, you know what I mean? Um, then taking me to football, yeah. you know, so I go up seeing, you know, parents that... Discipline and work ethic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they worked yeah. hard, so we had a a family holiday mm. we wasn't loaded we wasn't rolling in money but you know they, they always worked hard to give us the best we, we could it's it's such a unique sport and it's a sport that i have such an admiration for because what i try to understand is the trigger because you're going into the hurt business do you go into that environment with a sense of anger and frustration in life because in order to be able to to dis, to, to dish out punishment and to receive punishment you've got to have a certain mindset and it's a unique mindset I mean, is there is that in any of your background? Is it just simple? Was was the trigger this kid beating you up all the time, and that was what released the idea of saying, "I tell you what, I wouldn't mind dispensing some of that back." I went to the boxing gym to um, you know to, to 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 give this kid a slap, right? But uh, but then when I got in there and I saw and I, and I started sparring, and I think there's so many people that give it a go, and you know, fair play to them for get, even getting in the ring and having a yep. spar, let alone you know like a, a fight. But I think you know they just. The, the the minute you hear anyone, they say, you know, the minute you get hit, I thought, oh, that's not for me. But yeah. the minute I, the minute I tried I, that, man, it definitely <laughs> wasn't for me. I the, minute I, the minute I got it, I thought, oh, come on, come on then. <laughs> that's right. how you know what I mean. And that's, um, and that's how, and as I said about, you know, my parents, you know, having the work ethic work and the drive, yeah. that, that helped me. But I think the big factor is, is, is like, you know, to, to, to get paid for a living, yeah. you know, to get to get hit in, in in the face and paid for a living, you've got to have a slate shot somewhere or something. Well, I, I was actually having that conversation <laughs> with one of Anthony Joshua's team yeah. who said exactly that. Was, you've got to have a slate shot. Yeah, to do you've, got, that, you've yeah. got to be something not right, not right with you. And I think that's why, you, like, you, like like yourself, Simon, that's why you said so many people respect boxers because you know you could probably turn around and say, you know what, I could do a little bit of cricket or I could do a bit of acting or yeah, I could go and play football. I'm, I, you know, at the Etihad or Old Trafford or someone like that. But if you ask people who could have do boxing, yeah. the high majority go, fool, no, no thanks. Yeah. And that's why at Vegas, when you go to Vegas and all the big fights are on, all mm. the film stars are there, all the football Absolutely. stars, all the basketball stars. And I think it's because people sort of like look at our sport and go, you know what, There's, I could I could give anything to go me, but I couldn't do that. As a slight pivot, I'm going to put this as a marker. When you walked in, I mean, your life could have been so different in so many different ways. You probably would have gone off in directions and given your personality, probably been successful in something else. But the Billy Graham effect, walking into the Phoenix gym and the, the relationship that you developed, I mean, how important was that for you as an individual? It's so important, the bond that you get with the trainer. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, because, you know, the, you know you'd when the things are not going right in the fight, and there has been times in the fights when it's not been going right and everything like that, you want to be able to, you know, look in the, your trainer's eyes and know that he's throwing every punch for yeah. you. Everything he says, you believe in. And me and Billy got that pretty much from, you know, from 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 day one, the minute, you know, I walked for the door. And Billy said in the in the documentary, you know, you know, I was like his brother and we were best mm. mates. And it's and it was very, very true. And it's heartbreaking the way it, it figured out. But me and Billy had a relationship. You know, I knew when I looked, when Billy told me something in that corner, such was our, that, the love we had and our relationship was. I, I knew... 
he wasn't there for a paycheck. Mm. I knew he wasn't there to put the, you know, to put, he's not bothered about putting the, putting yeah. the lecky on or the, or the, you know, the heating in the house mm. overnight. He's there for me. And every time we looked in each other's eyes, that's, that was the closeness we had. And it was a shame that for that short period where we, you know, yeah. we fell out, we've made up now and, you know, we get on, you know, great. But I mean, for that period, it was a, it was a heartbreaking one for me. But I mean, you know, you're in the hurt business, you're in the fight yeah. game and that. And, you know, you know, forget that for, for a minute and just look at the, the actual, just the boxing, mm. you know, side of things. When I first went to Billy's gym as, as a 16 year old and we started talking about boxing and he said, what do you think about this, Rick? Or what do you think about that? And I go, yeah, Billy, what do you reckon with this? What do you reckon with that? And just when it comes to discussing a fight or a tactic or the game plan, you know what I mean? We just we just clicked. And then after a few years together, you know, within the ring, he'd say something to me and I'd say something back. And I, I knew I knew what he was thinking before he even said it. Do you know what I mean? That's the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's you know not just the connection from a a respect and a love point of view, but from from a tactic and a boxing Mm. thing. We were just we just knew how to, you know, how to how to read each other. And Billy, (laughs) my dad used to argue when I got to championship level, where the gaps were bigger between my fights. Obviously, I ballooned up and put a load of weight on in between fights. You know, and my dad was like, "Billy, you should be telling him he shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't be doing Mm. that. You know, don't let him come in the gym on Monday. If he's not in that gym Monday, tell him." not to bother for the rest of the week you right know there, and it, my dad is right but billy knew me that well he knew if I, he said that to me rick don't bother in the rest of the gym i go all right and he wouldn't see me and he knew how to get i knew i i had to i had to have me and i i would i, I wouldn't let campbell do it now all my boxers that are trained if they did what i did i'd say what they get thick here yeah but billy knew how i tricked he knows if yeah. i had to turn around and said don't bother coming in the gym i'd go all right and he wouldn't see me. He was a. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's he is to some extent the stuff of legends, isn't he? Yeah. When you think of Billy Graham and the influence that he had over you, one of the best things that he would have said to you in a corner, or one of the quirkiest things. Well, he said to me, you know, when I fought Costa Zoo, I mean, I, I had to, um, I had to put my foot down. I had to work really hard, make him make him work early in, yeah. in the first few rounds, you know. So he had to raise it. Yeah. And then bearing in mind the fact that he'd not not gone too many rounds lately because he was knocking everyone out. And bearing in mind I was the younger man and he was the older man. Yeah. He said, you've got to set off quick and then he'll, then he'll have to play catch up. Yeah. And that's where, when he's playing catch up, you can we can drain him in the middle rounds a little bit and stuff like that. But ultimately it meant me having to work me, work me knackers yeah. off basically, you know, to get the tactics right and that. And it worked. And I think it got to like about round nine when I come back to the corner and Billy went, Billy said to me every round, he went, how does his power feel? I used to go, oh, horrendous Billy. He's hurting me with everything he's hitting me with. So then sat on my stool at the end of, end of the 11th round. I was, I spat my gum shield out and I went, oh, Billy, that's me. I'm done. I'm done. I said, I've got no. He went, I don't want to hear that, Ricky. He Not said, now. Ricky, Not now. I don't want to hear that now. We've been sat on that gym at Salford, you know, talking about these moments being the undisputed best and is. this and that. He went, are you telling me you're going to spew it when you've got your nose over the front line here? You, don't you think, don't cry about it tomorrow. He said, don't cry about yeah. it tomorrow. He said, but you can do something about it now. And I went, yeah, got it. And then the referee, you know, went like yeah. that. But there was there was another time um, um, in, in uh, Las Vegas when I boxed a guy called Juan Urango yeah, yeah. for the IBF like welterweight title. And uh, it was my first time in Vegas. Right. So uh, we went to Vegas and we ended up staying in the... That's ca- before you fought Mayweather, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended up staying in the casino. Um, rather than, you know, in an apartment or something yeah. like that. We actually stayed in the casino. And if you've been to Vegas, you know, yes, that I air conditioning and yeah. everything like that. So I stayed, they gave me a suite in the in the, um, in the the Caesars Palace. Right. 
And um, after two or three days of staying, two, three or four days of staying in the hotel, my nose set like concrete. I couldn't breathe. Because of the AC? Yeah, because right. they, they're, they're pumping it yeah, in because yeah, they want yeah. the gambler so, staying yeah. up all night. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I'm sleeping there all night, getting up, going to the gym, you know what I mean, and, and everything like that. And it got to the fight with Juan Urango, you know, and um, I just felt, I just felt me nothing after about, I was boxing his head off for about five or six rounds and all of a sudden I hit a brick wall. And he's, you know, Urango wasn't the, one of the best I thought, but he was strong, mm. stocky, big, powerful, heavy-handed, you know. And Billy Graham just said to me, he said, listen, Rick, he said, come on, Rick, you, you can get through this, get through this. Listen, we've, we spoke about this in the gym, you know, some days you're going to turn up, you're going to feel sensational, some days you're just going to feel like you feel now. He said, through. we've got, you got to power through it. Yeah. He said, just sometimes, he said, you know, get your shots off. And then when he, when he, when he counters your back, slip and slide, claim him. And slip a slip, step off and get behind him. You know what I mean? Where you can conserve a little bit. You know, throw your combinations, drop under, get behind him, <clears throat> faint and walk away. You know, and, and we'll get through it. We'll get through it, Rick. If we if we do, we've talked about this day'd come. We can get through it, mate. Yeah. When I looked in Billy's eyes, I knew he was there for me. That yeah. you know the love that we had. You know, I knew he was there for me. And there was another fight in Detroit, which remember you might not remember because I was I was only an intercontinental champion, but I boxed in Detroit against a kid called Gilbert Kiros. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I come out the first round, big, tall, power punching Costa Rica. He was. He measured me with a jab. He hit me with the right hand, and me at me cut. I went open, and more importantly, closed. And he's absolutely knocking. If it, if they'd have scored the round, it'd have been ten four. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. He absolutely knocked me from pillar to post. And I sat there. I'm in the Continental Champion, and my eyes shut there. The referee and the blood's falling in it. And he turned, and the referee come over and said, "Because you're champion, uh, Ricky, we're going to give you one more round." And I sat there on my stool and I thought to myself, Simon, I thought, that's it. Even when I thought Mayweather and the fight was mm. just sliding away from me, I still thought I was going to win. But mm. that fight in Detroit, I thought, I'm done. I'm done. He's beat me. He's beat me one more round. I'm going to do one more round with this. And Billy went, look at me, look at me, look at me. He went, he went well, he said, I tell you what, you've, you've let me down, you. I went, let you down? What are you on about? He went, you let me down. I've been telling everybody you're going to be the next champion. You're going to be the next star. You're going to the top. We're going to do this. And this is the first fight that your back's been against the wall and you've been burning. He said, and your ass has fell out. Yeah. You've swallowed it, haven't yeah. you? So you're not, I tell you what, you're not the champion I thought you were, you. I tell you what, go on, get your gum shield at that. You've let me down, you. And you knew what you got. And I thought, and he got out of the ring and I thought, I thought I'm going to not. I'm going to fucking knock him out. When, when I come back, I'm going to fucking knock you out, Billy. Do you know, you know what I mean? And I went out and I got, and I just thought, you know, and he was a murderous puncher. And I was yeah. just, I just thought, I was just going through, bang, yeah. bang, I'll bang, take him bang. away in, yeah. And I got him on the ropes and I swear, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't see. And when I, when I found his head there, when I, I knew where the, his rib was and I went bang and he left up to the body and he went, down like like that and i was like oh like that and billy jumped in the ring like oh my god we've got away with it yeah. you know what i mean type thing and he went to hug me and i just went i just went fuck off bill don't you ever <laughs> say that to me again don't you ever say that to me again but but it, it got you going didn't it and it's like you mentioned about you know the car and the george, george grove situation yeah, yeah. you know where you think to yourself well yeah, that wasn't in the script yeah. i was the same i thought yeah. that one in the script but you know, the trainer knows the right words to say at the right Absolutely. time, and um, I'm going to get to. Costa and that's Zou what makes a good trainer. Of course, it does. Uh, I'm going to get to Costa Zou because I went to that fight, um, <clears> and <throat> there was nothing like that atmosphere. By the way, who called you the hitman? Where did the hitman come from? My first amateur coach, um, Ted Pete. Um, he's not with us now. God rest his soul. As I, as I, I walked in the gym to obviously the, to try and have a spar with this kid that yeah. was beating me up. 
And he turned around and said, uh, listen, Ricky, he said, just get used to the gym and get used to the, you know, to the lads and this and, and just have a little bit of luck so you can see how we do things and, and stuff like that. But you just have a go on that bag, you know, and you do your own thing tonight. So you just get a feel for the gym. So I went, all right. So I, I spotted my nemesis over there, the, the kid who was always beating me up, didn't I? So I got on this bag and I started levering it, you know, for, for his eyes only. You know what right. I mean? Bang, bang, bang. And the, I was only I was only 11. The bag's flying all over the show like that. And uh, Ted come in and went, oi, 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 oi. Ted taught me how to box, but he taught me how to swear as yeah. well. Right. He went, hey, 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 what's that fucking bag done to you? <laughs> you know, he said, look at him here. He said, God, we've got a little hitman on our hands here. Look at him, the nasty little, you know. And <laughs> yeah, and it was, um, and yeah, hitman, Hatton, you know, it, 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 it went. Yeah. And then as I got, you know, um, you know, more into the boxing. I've become a little bit of a boxing historian, yeah. didn't I? So I started studying the tapes and right. of all the great fighters of yesteryears. Yeah. And Tommy Earns was one of me, of course, one of yeah. my favourites. And um, it's not a bad moniker to have. Yeah, it? hit Manhattan. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. yeah. I and mean, that's where it basically come from because I just I was I was so aggressive. Mm -hmm. You you know, you're 23 fights in because I was trying to work out why you fought a lot. At the beginning, you were fighting seven, six, seven, eight fights a year. Oh, yeah, you? but my first couple of years, I think there was nine fights a year, mate. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know better than I do, but that's what I was looking at when I was looking at your records. You get to 23 fights, but why does it take so long for you to get to a world title shot? It's 38 fights before yeah. you fight for a world title. Yeah, but I mean, I, you know, you, I had to have faith in, in, in Frank Warren, which I did. You know, he's the best at bringing, bringing you through and guiding you, you know, to the right position. You know, Frank used to turn around and, you know, just say, listen, you know, if, you, if you're not you're ready yet, when I say you're ready yet, you know, there's nothing in the boxing textbook that says 10 fights at Central Area, 15 fights in English, 15 fights yeah. in British. He knew he what the right time and when, he and went, he went eyes, when yeah. a certain opportunity raises his yeah. head, yeah, that's not right. That's not right for us yet. We're just going to hang fire a little bit on that, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you carry on, you carry on. You're earning and you're learning. Yeah, do you know what I mean in the gym, and then all of a sudden, one does raise its head, and then well, right, we'll go for that one now. And that's what I mean. Nobody was better at Frank than that. No, I, that, listen, I'm a Frank doing that. I, I like. I'm a big admirer of Frank's. You know, and I think there's a lot more that Frank does right than he does wrong. There'll Absolutely. always be things that people, yeah. you know, whatever you talk about, whoever you talk about, people will say something that's not always complimentary. Even if it was a Dalai Lama, yeah, someone will find yeah. something to criticize them for. I'm going to pivot just for a second because I, when I was watching the documentary, and I know I'm, I've said I'm not going to refer it to too much, but I took a lot. Of, I actually actually nearly sat there with a tear in my eye, and I'm a miserable bastard, so for me to get a tear <laughs> in my eye, um, because it felt to me like this wonderful support that you built up was as good for you as it potentially could have been bad for you. But you as a man of the people, did you embrace that moniker? Did you did you think to myself, this is good, I've got a really good support base behind me, I can really utilise this? Yeah, I think a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think from a very, very young age, you know, I, I'd sort of like, you know, <clears throat> I had nine fights in my first, my first year as a professional, you know, so ultimately, you know, that means, you know, you, you're fighting every six weeks. So I lived in the gym. I didn't live in the gym. So I didn't see my mates, you know, that I went to school with. I didn't see my mates that I used to go and have a pint with or something like that. And I used to think to myself, uh, I'm going to go in the pub today and have an orange juice to see the lads, you know, because I used to think, because they, they started seeing me on, on Sky Television yeah. and seeing me fights and everything like that. I, in my mind, I thought to myself, I don't want them thinking I've got too big for my yeah. station. I've got too big for my boots and like that. And that's a week when we talk about mental health and that. That's a little mm. week 
that's a weak part of Ricky Hatton. Mm. I I felt that that way. I thought, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, they were all sat, they were all sat in the pub and doing their own things and watching me on the TV, thinking, look at my mate there, how yeah. proud are we? Yeah. But in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I bet they think I've got Billy, big, big, time, yeah. Yeah, Billy yeah. big Time and everything like that. It got a little bit worse as as I got success, and then mm. you know, then they had a few, they had a few speed bumps, didn't we? You know, along mm. along the way and that. So I I love the fact that you know because I've always wanted to entertain you know whether, whether it's be with the microphone when I do my sportsman's dinners or yeah. whether whether I'm boxing in the ring or whatever I've always wanted to be entertainment put a show on for my fans so I'd love the fact that I had a massive massive fan base and that but when when we talk about I think it might have added when we talk about the mental health and I had yeah. this little weak thing inside me having the big crowd was great but it added pressure a little bit that's what and I was going like, to say sort of like not that they, I'm not saying my fans put pressure on me. I no, mean, but you, put, just, pressure, you just, put pressure on yourself. It just was the way it was. Yeah. I'm going to get on to the Mayweather fight, obviously, but you eventually land against Costa Zoo. But when you're going into that fight and you're building up to this fight, was it true that Frank Warren didn't think it was the right fight for you? No, he didn't. You know, um, Frank knew the, the right way to bring me up to them 38 fights. And a lot of people, um, you know, I think to myself, well, Frank was like, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not too sure. And I was like, I think we need a few more. I went, I, and I was like, Frank, we've had 38, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I do, I do. So Frank was great, the best how to bring a youngster up yep. and through and get him to, 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 that, to that point. But I think Frank would also admit, you know, to be honest, it, we probably prolonged it a little bit longer than normal because, right. you know, you know, you only had to mention I was fighting at the Manchester Arena and it was sold. Sold out, yeah. You know, so, yeah. it, 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 you know, you've got to look at it from that point of view. It was in Frank's interest to, it was in both our interests yeah. to, 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 get, get, to paid get paid, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. selling out crowds. Did but, you have any doubts going into that fight? Oh, yeah. He, ca he came with a monster reputation, didn't he? He yeah. came with a Canelo Everest reputation, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was, there was no, but that, that was always my, my, my best. Act, even though I had this little weakness in me that we, we touched on before, when it comes to boxing in that ring, I felt no one could beat me. I had such self belief. And I think it was the same with me against Costa Zoo in Manchester. And because it was a Mancunian mm. in Manchester, fighting the number one in the yeah. division and someone of the Costa Zoo nature, I, even the atmosphere, as you said, was absolutely well, electric. Ask you. But they, they was like, when I got in the ring, I could see the crowd pumping. It was, two o'clock in the morning. it was 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look, I'm looking in the ring and I'm, I'm looking through the ropes and I'm going, come on to me, fans. Yeah. And I'm looking at them and they're all cheering back for me. But I could feel there was, although they were behind me, there was a, a bit nervous, of trepidation. Was, yeah, there was a nervous yeah. tension in there when everyone was going, come on, oh shit. But what, was it, like, what was it like for you? I mean, I was I was in the arena and I'm looking at this atmosphere going, oh, I've been to some fights and I've been to some occasions, but Jesus Louise, the atmosphere yeah. in this place. Yeah. You've talked about pressure, all right? There's, you're, you're 38 unbeaten, you're fighting a monster in the division and you, you, you've got no fear in your mind, but this crowd is absolutely lifting it off. What's that What's that like for you as a fighter, coming out of a dressing room, walking through that crowd? Try and, try and put me in your shoes so well, I can understand what it feels like. It's, it's been nearly tears to your eyes. I mean, I was walking to the gym and I didn't have tears in my eyes. That's the last thing you want is no. tears in your eyes. But I'm walking to the gym and I, I can... Um, I can feel the love off the crowds. I can feel this nervous tension, but I can feel the love off the yep. crowd, the support that they want. I've been at the Manchester Arena, you know, when, you know, you know, Cows, Cows Box, you know, George, yep. you know, and David A. Box, uh, David A. Box, Arthur Harrison. Even when Mike Tyson went boxed at the Manchester Arena, yep. I was on the undercard for that. So I've been there mm. in the crowd. And it's just, just, a, just a looking into the crowd. And I'm walking to the ring, you know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, 
Cry, I'm a cryer, me. I cry out films. I'm a right. bit of a wimp. Yeah. I'm, one of, I'm one, <laughs> okay. of, one of them. And I'm walking to the ring, but I'm, I'm holding me, you know, trying to hold my nerves together. Did it come to your mind? I can't lose here. Does that come into play? I can't lose here. Uh, it hadn't at, at the time because, um, don't forget, I didn't know what losing was back then. Right. Do you know what I mean? Not I was thinking, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, so it was all about that. Yeah. It's then when I got beat by Mayweather, I thought, oh, yeah. I've let people down. We'll and get to when that. I got beat by. We'll get to that. But yeah, but at the cost you. Um, the Costa Zoo fight. No, it was like it was like I was like like how you know you said you when you get in that ring. I've also got the crowd because the crowd was, there was like a nervous tension yeah. in the air. Well, well, nice one, Ricky. And then middle rounds, it was like oh shit. Yeah, hang on. Bit of a but then I got to the stage where they went. He's he's got his nose yeah. in front. Now he's going to do this. He's going to do this. But I and I was on my stool thinking. So not only was Billy giving me the right words at the right time to say, I could hear this crowd. I could I could hear him at ringside. You know, not not necessarily anyone who knew. Yeah, but you Ricky, just hear you've the got him. This is your yeah. time. You've got him. He's yeah. gone. He's yeah. gone. He's gone. He's gone. And well, we were all screaming, man. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so if you look at it from that point of view, yeah, it massively helped. Your reaction was absolute, was it relief? Was it pride? <clears throat> was it just an outpouring of emotion because you're in this cauldron of absolute support for you? All them, all them, all them things, all you know what I mean? Yeah. When, when Billy, um, it was all, you know, it was all like, oh, you Billy, you know, when I, when I fell after the Cross of Zoo fight, Billy was like, you know, You've done it, son. You've done it, your son. And I was like, no, we've done it. We've, we've done, done it. it. Yeah. And then I think to myself, you know, about, about the crowd thing and, you know, about me, me weakness, you know, like that. Mm. I felt like, you know, I jumped out of the ring. Thanks, mum and dad. Yeah, know? I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to the referee, Dave. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. You know, yeah. To, yeah. thanks to the crowd. Billy, thanks. You know what I mean? That's that's always, you know, for me. I mean, but that's to why be honest fans were related to the as way, well, The way it? I felt I could hear the fans on my ring walk. And the way I could hear it during the fight, and then when I was I spat my gum shield out and I thought I was done, the way they raised me yeah. a little bit along with Billy's, you know, yeah. words, words like yeah. that. And I thought to myself, I thought I've never, I've never been to a boxing fight, whether I've been in the ring or whether I've gone watching yeah. it in the crowd. I've never they been said this, yeah. and seen the support and love that these crowd have given me. So I, I got the mic and yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to thank him, and yeah. it, it couldn't have been any better than. In Manchester, twenty-two thousand fans at two in the morning against the number yeah. one in the weight division, the number two ranked alpha pound, rounds, and all and that. He quits. One of the best. Like, well, for him to quit on his yeah. stool and say, "Please leave me the fuck, leave me the fuck alone," you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then for me to grab the mic and thank the crowd and you know and, and say, "Give Costa a round of applause," then if you remember, say si, he he got the mic. I mm. went, Ricky was better than me in any yeah, way yeah. today. And if you ever need any help from me, you yeah. know, it's proper tear jerking shit, yeah. isn't it? You know no, what I mean? It's proper stuff, it's, though, yeah. It? Proper it, substance. I couldn't have had my dream fight to end any. I couldn't have written it better. I'm going to take you into Billy Graham and I'm going to take you into a couple of thorny areas that you might bristle at, but yeah. we'll see how we go. All right. This, Billy talks about after the Costa Zoo fight that the lunatics start taking over the asylum. Did you understand what it meant at the time, or what he was referring to, or and do or do you understand it better now? Yeah, there was. It started becoming more and more talks about money. You know, about, well, you're in that space money. now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. Because everyone's going to get paid. Cost and I think Jamie Moore said it. You know, everyone's you know sees him. You know, sees as a and that as a commodity yeah. and stuff like that. And but I your think, dad described you that way. So yeah, I've got a diamond here, not yeah, a quartz. Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like that's how it went from. You know, we want to train and trying to be the best. Well, now we're the best. It's as if now we want as much money as we can. But, but you're a price fighter. Yeah, you're a yeah, price fighter. Yeah, but we still want to be. We still hang on a minute. You know, what I mean, the money. You know, and it's like, and it's money. It does mean a lot of it. But I mean, the, you know, if you if you're successful, the money will come with the success. Of course. You've, and you've you've got to look at it that way to remain to have the hunger. 
Mm. You know, because if, you know, the minute you start thinking, you know, I, I, I want to beat Costa Zoo, the minute you start thinking, oh, never mind Costa Zoo, I'm getting paid that much. That's yeah. when it, and that's what I think Billy um, was referring was to. Refer, that's why I, I think, you know, I might, I, might be, I might be wrong, but I think that's what it. Think. But what's going on here? I mean, what's going on in this situation? There's so much rancor. You know, you've got, I've, I've got this mixed emotions about fathers and being involved in their sons' lives and their sporting careers. What's going on, Ricky? You, you, you know, you, your dad's getting involved without necessarily the expertise in the industry. And there are relationships that are breaking down that might have been pivotal to you. Frank Warren's guidance has been pivotal to you to get you to a position where you trust his judgment. It took 38 fights to get a world title shot and you're comfortable that he's done the right things for you. Billy Graham's been the intellectual capital behind your talent. But all of this is falling apart. What's happening here? It's very hard to say. Is that the main thing is, is that, you know, when, <clears throat> you know, when, you know, no one's bothered when you know, there's, 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 there's pennies involved. But then when, you know, when, 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 when more comes involved, then, you know, and everyone has their own little bit to say. And I was always the one, I think, listen, you know, I mean, my me, me dad, me, you know, we were trusted wholeheartedly, you know. We, was he right? It's my dad. Was he right with the things he did at the time? When you look back, both of you now, because you're in a relationship which has well, been I think, I think I think I was, I think I was, I was the, probably the guilty one in the sense that, you know, I'm, I'm my own man. You know what I mean, and I, and I should have had a little bit more interest in what was happening. You know, you know exactly. In, in, was my know, thought in in that that area. Yeah, and then maybe would have saved would have, would have saved that. I mean, it shouldn't have happened anyway. Because I mean, listen, my job is to get on with me boxing. You do the training. You do the promoting. Yeah, and, you and look after me finances, finances Dad. Yeah. That's all I'm bothered about. Yeah, and then when all this stuff come, you know, come come on, on board. Yeah, I was like, you know, oh, what what do we do here? Yeah. What do what what do we do here? But it, wouldn't it have been the way without me telling you a business? Would it have been a better way to have done it with him? Well, it was like there's this. There's this, there's this uh, we get we, we'll talk about Mayweather in isolation, but there was this moment that a legend has it said, and only you will know, that your dad came into the dressing room after the Mayweather loss and tore a sheet off. Yeah, yeah. Billy Graham. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't remember it. You don't remember I mean, it. My, my head was. But did it happen? I believe so, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mates wouldn't lie, and you know the thing is, my, my mates and my mates and my dad's mates and that. Yeah. You know, what I mean, we're, we're all, you know, very, very close knit. And I think that was the most hard thing to come out of the documentary is that you know, that we was all so close. You yeah. know, it was like you know, it was all like a family. Whether it was the, whether it was Frank and Billy and, and my dad and my mates and. Hattersley and the fans, you know, there was it was just, uh, and then all of a sudden I found myself in all this friction, whether it be with mm. Frank and my dad and Billy and this and that and all the rest of it, and I, I maybe I turned a blind eye to a, a lot of it. I didn't want to, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to see. It. I thought just get on with your training, get on with your training. It will sort itself out and this like that. How did it get to the point? Why was nobody around you saying, "This is bastard, stupid to be in court. This is this is degrading for everybody, for you, for your father." For Billy Graham, was there nothing that anyone could no, have said? No, me, to me and my dad went in court against Billy. You know, you know, yeah. Billy claimed that I hadn't yeah. paid him paid enough for the Mayweather fight, yeah. and um, and it was an awkward, it's horrible position for me to to be in. But you know, I was, you know, me and my dad went went into court. You know, me and my dad. Me, but the me, outcome of yeah, that was you found other stuff out that you didn't yeah, know. Yes, me and my dad was against was against um, against Billy to be honest, which was 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 hard. But how did that? But but Bill, uh, but Ricky, I know you're not. I don't. I know. You, I know you don't like this subject, but I've got to ask you because it's a part of your story. You've got this relationship with Billy Graham. You've trusted him to such a point that he can get you off a stall when you don't feel like it, when you think that everything's gone. 
How do you get to a point where you don't believe what he's saying? Because my dad's my dad. Blood's thicker. He's, well, he's my dad's my dad, you know, you know, you know, I, I, I love him. He's, my dad's my dad, you know, and he was handling my finances. And as much as I love Billy, you know, my dad's still my dad, you Plus know, blood. so, and, and it, but, but I mean, the top and bottom of it is to be put in a position, I was in that position because the way it was handled, you know, it put me in that position. Yeah. But I was with my dad. Yeah. It was me, me and my dad. Sadly, I'm sorry to say, up against me and Billy. Yeah. And the reason why, you know, we say you shouldn't have really been in that, you know, but Billy was right though, position. Wasn't he? I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But they, they settled out, of, out, out of court, and I, I, I can't really comment to. Um, I don't want to know your money situation. I can't really comment too, too, too much on that. All it is is at the minute, I just want to be, you know, up you and know, onwards. Yeah, up and on for, for, for all of us. My up mom, and onwards. And dad, I've got listen. I've got. Frank, I have to know? ask you this stuff, otherwise, it's not a conversation. And if it's not, if it's a conversation around only the things that you like, then uh, then it's not a conversation. I, I'm not trying to be arsehole clever with you. So I'm going to take you into Mayweather now, and that whole experience. You're going in 43 and 0. He's 39 and 0. Talk to me about Mayweather, because I, I don't like all this money shit and all this nonsense that everything's about money you get everyone gets paid but I, I, the brilliance of the fighter to me is diminished by the personality a little bit what what was what when you're leading up to this fight you know what's your what was your thoughts on 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 mayweather as the person I'm, I'm a you know, firm believer, you know, you know, don't don't judge, don't judge anyone until you've um, a book by its cover. Yeah, 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 until you've met them. You know what I mean? And you know, I know boxing's changed a lot over the, over the years, and even it changed back then, and it's changed even more now. <laughs> you know, with the social media um, world that we we live in and that. But and I know you've got to hype up fights and this, that, and all the rest of it. But you know, you know, Mayweather never used to, <laughs> whether it was Los Angeles, New York, um, Las Vegas. You know, we. Get in my face, he'd slag me off, he'd do this, he'd do that, you know. And part of me thinks, you know, that's what you've got to do, you've got to sell the show. But there was never one time where Floyd had come to me behind the curtains going, Hey, Rick, how are you doing, mate? No. You okay? I, all, all it is, we're building up, you know what it is, nothing personal. No, no there was nothing like that. I, I generally thought, you know, you, spent, said, you said it was tough putting up with that yeah. dickhead. <laughs> well, uh, I spent four weeks with him, you yeah. know, on that 24 7 um, tour. And in that 24-7 tour, I know we're, we're, we're built, that's what the tour is, to publicise the fight. Yeah. But he never, you know, come over and shut my hand or shut my dad's hand or, you know, spoke to us or anything like that. I just think to myself, I'm from the council estate and he's from the uh, the same equivalent in the state. The which projects. Is projects. Yeah. So let's, you know, I mean, I, f I feel bad sometimes when I go to Hattersley, which was where I, where I was, the council estate where I was, but I feel bad driving my car around there <laughs> but i can't see anybody sat in any of the bars in the projects you know when floyd's going yeah. look at me 250 on my pinky and look at mm. the 300 on my wrist i can't the cat the cat i can't oh, see anyone him. i can't see anyone us, in the project yeah. sat there we can't put the electric on can't put the eater no pots are pissing right. say yeah. I tell you what oh and he done us proud him yeah no what they're gonna think come uh, down here who's you take come, it off him that's what they're gonna do aren't they you know what i mean he's a saucy i'd subject. like to go down my day, and every kid or every parent or everyone say to me oh ricky hey billion how you doing can you have a picture like that what's he gonna do if he yeah. goes down to his um, yeah, he runs with a different crowd now doesn't he and that's that's the, the the different you know you want people i say listen work hard i come from where you come if yeah. you try and we work hard and you dedicate yourself and say what if i can do it you can do it you know what I mean? Yeah, no, what I does he it. do? 
What does he do? Hey, kid, you want a picture? Come and have a picture. Look at me, watch. <laughs> you know, fuck off. <laughs> when you went into that fight, was there any doubts in your mind? Because you were still unbeaten that time, so it, it's doubtful that there would be. But was your approach that this was a fight that you're going to win? Absolutely, because don't forget, at that time, I, I'd never tasted defeat. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going in there. You know, if I'd have had a couple of, if I'd have got a couple of defeats on my record, I might, I might have thought, well, this could go tits up. But I mean, I was, I was undefeated. They, but it's always doubtful, the show, isn't it? The show was called the Undefeated. Like yeah. I say, I was 43. I think he yeah. was 39, and so I didn't think. So I, I went over there, you know, grateful for the opportunity and for my biggest payday and everything like that. But I thought I, I could be, be the number one pound for pound here. I went over there thinking I was going to beat him. But people I, observed on you, didn't they? I mean, I know this is all retrospective. But, but Steve Bunce talked about watching you change in those press conferences where he felt that you were getting reeled in by Floyd. Do you think that there's any substance into that, that you were drawn into something where... Well, what was... Why were you... Why You were different in that press conference. You were far more vociferous, far more aggressive, and you got involved in what Steve Bunce... And I like Steve. I think he's a very good observer. I'm sure you probably think the Absolutely, same. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah and and yeah. Thomas Hauser, the same yeah. thing. Um that, that you were drawn into things and acting in a way. Was that just the scale of the event? Was that just being around no, Floyd Weather for four weeks or whatever? You know, it's very, very hard to do it. You know, we had the four weeks. It's very easy to say he'd been, he'd been drawn in. And and like Steve's right, right when well, he... you're the only one that knows. When, when, he, when he says that. But in, in my own mind, I... Um, I, I went off the stage behind the curtain after, you know, laughing my bollocks off. Do you right. know what I mean? I was like, yeah. <laughs> when it could that, 10,000 fans there, and we got the nose and, you Who know, and, that, you know yeah. and everything like that. So I can see what, I can see why, but, you know, it's very hard not to get drawn in. And you've got the weigh-in with 10,000 of my fans. Yeah, I know, I saw you know it, what mate. I mean? yeah, tell you, yeah. uh, 40,000 fans come over, took over the place. That's his hometown. Do you know what I mean? 40,000 fans took over. So it's, it's hard not to get drawn in. I'm an emotional person, yeah. me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, it's that, that is very, very out of character. Did where, it affect you in any way? I, I don't mean, think so. Did it affect I, your performance? I know totally where Steve's coming from and what Steve's thinking. But, you know, to my knowledge, in the heat of the moment, yeah, I, I, you yeah. know, me head had gone and everything like that. Yeah. But, I mean, um, but you regained your when I come off the stage, you know, I, I, when we come behind the, the, the curtain... I was I was buzzing a little bit, you know, because of the atmosphere, the way in and think that. So. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't thinking I didn't I didn't come behind the curtain and thought, oh, I'm gonna kill him, no, I'm gonna no, kill him. You, you, know? you were in control of yourself. I, I was in control of myself, yeah. but I under I understand um, I understand totally where where Steve's um, Steve's coming from. Was he what you thought he was going to be in the ring, Mayweather? I've, I obviously went there thinking I was going to beat him um, because I mean he fought Castillo, uh, the first fight against Castillo. I think um, I thought Castillo might have nicked it. Then the second fight, Floyd won, and then I saw Floyd fight Marcus Maidana, yeah. who was a, is a pressure fighter. You know, yeah. um, I'm not big as puncher as Marcus Maidana, but I think in speed, ability, footwork, mm. closing the distance, engine, yeah. you know, like that. So I thought to myself, well, if Maidana's, you know, only got beat by him on a split, mm. I think you know, I think I've got a better I've chance. Got, I've, got that, the, yeah. I've got the I've got the the tools to to do this, yeah. and as long as I get close enough, because I mean, I wasn't going to beat him on anything else, Simon. And that's totally yeah. honest, isn't yeah. it? You know what I mean? And um, right from the start, I could I could see that I was in with a different level. class, a yeah. different level of, yeah. of fights. And that goes without saying. And what was Billy saying to you during this fight? When you you you, you know the, the guy's a slickster. Well, Billy, Billy wanted me to ease into it a little bit, a little bit more. And then I come. This is the thing about me and Billy. You know, we could um, 
we could, you know, we could have our game plans, you know, but I mean, but then, you know, could adapt. Billy had asked me something in the corner, I'd tell him back, and we'd if we if we needed to change it, we'd, we'd adapt to We'd change it. But yeah. I've come out the first round, you know, and I'm, I'm easing into it, I'm easing into it, still putting the pressure on him because I can that's my way. Yeah. But as far as my way, easing into it a little bit. And then Floyd went, moved, moved, bang, and he went, lead left up, ding, like yeah. that. And I thought, Jesus, that, that was yeah. Yeah, I thought that was rapid. Yeah. So then I thought to myself, and I come back at the end of the first round, I said, Billy, I said, um, I said, I don't, my opinion, I don't think I can ease into this. Yeah. If I ease into this, the more space I'm giving him, the more t chance I'm giving him to, to use his yeah. speed and ability. I think I've got to move in on him, stay on him and punch away. Yeah. And Billy was like, yeah, okay. He said, but you know, when I, he said, but, they, but as you go in, you know what I mean? Moving on him quick, but still stay switched on, still stay good defensively. And I went, oh yeah, of course, obviously Bill. But, and I thought that, you know, I needed to move in on a bit quicker, but then, and it's like, I hate talking about this because, I mean, people say, you know, he's sour grapes. You're telling me the referee was the only reason why Floyd oh, Mayweather beat you. Joe Cortez. Yeah, but he was, was. short. It was shit. He was terrible. He wasn't allowing you to fight the fight that, that would have given you an opportunity and to it win. And was, it, was, it was, I watched the fight on Sky and I watched the HBO version and, you know, everyone could, could see it. And I mean, and if you're a Mayweather fan, you'd go, oh, that's just sour grapes, Ricky. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd have won anyway. You cannot look me in the eye and go... That fight, Joe Cortez did a good job. He let the fight flow, didn't he? Did he, fuck? And that was, to be honest with you, it was sort of like, whatever chance, that was the only chance I had. Were you surprised by it? I was surprised by it because, you know, two body punches in my previous fight, me, Jose Luis Castillo's, were like that. Yeah. Toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe, Joe Cortez. So what's all that about then? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I think to me, I was in the changing rooms um, before the fight. And we had a TV screen, and as we we're in the changing rooms, the Tom Jones was singing the national anthem, and they had a gentleman singing the national anthem for the for America. And um, you know, Tom Jones sing, you know, God save the Queen, and then obviously this gentleman come on and sung the American Stop national anthem, yeah. and, they, and the crowd started booing. And I um, and I, I remember the camera panned on Joe Cortez, and it just stuck in my head. I thought, right, hmm. Because I mean, you know, you know, we're used to it in England, and as pathetic as it is, mm. we, you know, at football matches, yeah. or you know, but we're we're used to it. But in the Ameri in, in the United States, like where you know, you you know respect and, the uh, national anthem, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, um, and that's the only way I could put it. The way I look at it, sometimes I think to myself, right, I'm I'm a referee from Manchester, and Floyd Mayweather comes to Manchester and to all fight fans start Union, yeah. Yeah. and then all. The, um, all the American the, supporters start giving it the start, you know, start mm. doing God save the queen yeah. and all like that. If I'm the referee, I'm thinking, oh, that's you, fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah. thinking, who do these not think they are coming to my own town, booing our yeah. national? I would. I think that's what happened. You lose the fight, and then there's this, you know, emotional reaction from you about letting people down. And the feelings that you let people down, and obviously you were very up, uh, upset about it, um, and you've obviously got this massive fan base, which I don't think anybody felt that besides you. But it start it's a start to sequence of events for you, doesn't it? Um, a little bit of a spiral. Yeah. What's going on? Well, I was I was devastated. I told all these fans I was going to go and do it, and I didn't do it, and I felt like I've let them down and. You know, don't forget, I was unbeaten. I was unbeaten at the time, mm. so you know, an undefeated fighters, you know, always dangerous because they don't know they can be defeated. Yeah. And I went into that fight thinking I couldn't. 
You know, so when it did get beat, I know people say it's Mayweather, Rick, but no, 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 don't yeah. I was undefeated. Mm. So I think I think you're not beating me. I'm undefeated. No one's beat me, and neither are you. You know, so and then when he when he did, it it was harder, you know, all, all functions I couldn't do, I couldn't walk to the shops, I was devastated, didn't want to leave the house, and I felt like packing the uh packing it in, to be honest with you. And then <clears throat> I made a comeback. Uh, fight, you know, a box at the city in Manchester Stadium in front of 55,000. Yeah. That was sold out in about a fortnight. It was incredible. But go, Ricky, before you get to that, but why, why have you gone to... It feels to me that so much of you was validated by your, by your achievements in the <clears> boxing <throat> ring that it almost took it all away from you. And that that sent you into a really bad spiral. Yeah, it did. And when it you did. read, when I'm reading your words. Yeah, right, and that was the, the words, start. That was the start of it. Yeah, <clears throat> but was nobody around you? Was there no support around you to see this start to unravel? No, to see the ramifications people, of it on you. People, you know, I started going out on the beer a lot. You know, to be honest with you, you know, and people knew that I wasn't taking it well, and people knew that I wasn't in a, a particularly um, good place about it. You know, I, I I kept a lot of it into myself. You know, what I mean, I was living with my partner at the at the at the time, Jennifer, and um, you know, she'd go out, go do the shopping or whatever she was doing, and I'd be I'd be in the house crying all day. You know, and then she'd minute she'd come in, I put my brave face going, "Hey, love, you have a good day. You know, yeah, you want to brew, yeah. you know what I mean?" And likewise, the same with me um, with me with me parents and my mates. You know what I mean? I'd uh, you know, I'd, I'd go to the pub, tell a few jokes, put a few mm. one-liners in, and oh, Rick's all right. But you know, it's when I was on my own, I was I was not in a, a very good place, and I shielded this, and that that this sort of like ate up for a num this built up for a number of years, and then when other things went, I had ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. You go on, you have a couple of fights, irrespective of the background, you're building yourself <clears> back up again. You fight. You end up fighting Paulie Malignaggi, which I think you describe as a Paulie Malignaggi was a great fighter. Yeah. So it was a good win. You make a, 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 a again. I can relate to this decision without relating to it. You bring Floyd Mayweather Senior into your camp. What was the thinking behind? Well, Floyd I was, Mayweather I was, Senior. I wasn't in a good. Um, I wasn't in a good place. Your judgment was flawed. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when you when you think you know without you know rate racing on a, a little bit. Um, I got beat by Mayweather, <clears throat> so I was down. Then I boxed at City. Then my frame of mind was back up. Yep. Then I fell out with Billy Graham, yep. back down. Then I boxed yep. Malinaji, none and Liam carried the belts in. I was back up. Yep. So me, you know, in this time of you know, I need a new trainer now. Me, I wasn't in a good, I wasn't in a good place. And me and Jennifer were in um, Las Vegas at the time on holiday, and a friend of mine, um, he was training Matthew at the time, Lee Beard, very good coach. He said, listen, he said, and he does a little bit of work with Floyd Mayweather Sr., you know, um, goes to and from, he was going to and, uh, to and from uh, America and Britain at the time. He was working with Floyd. He said, well, Floyd's in Vegas at the minute. He said, why don't you go and have a look in the gym and just see what he's about? You know, I said, it pass a couple of hours for you. You know, have a chat with him, you know, see what you, you think. And I got talking to him, you know, and he said this, he said that, you know, and he, he, um, he got the pads out, you know, and he put the gloves on me a little bit. We just had a little bit of a, you know, five minute, ten minute, just a, you know, uh, fat about. Um, and then I thought to myself, well, you know, a new trainer. I said it would give me a little bit more of a spring in the step, you know, someone different, you know, new mm. things, you know, new new outlook. I said, you know, yeah, I'll give it a go. And um, and I did. And for the Malinaji fight, the Malinaji fight, my performance was... Um, was bang on, and yeah, and that and the manner of the performance obviously set up the the chance to fight Pacquiao again. Uh, Pacquiao, yeah. Did you go into fight thinking you could win it, or did you did you have reservations? No, I the minute I signed up for the fight, I thought I could win it. Five weeks before the fight, I thought I could win it. 
a week and a half before the fight, I thought I've no chance. Yeah. <laughs> okay, different <laughs> different dynamic completely. So the outcome wasn't unsurprising. How good was he? It's hard to it's hard to say. You know, if you said to me, it was, it was the best for Mayweather. I mean, when I fought Mayweather, I'm, I moaned about the referee. You know, he was saying he did a shit job, which he did, and everything like that. But when I fought, you know, I mean, I expected it against Pacquiao, so I wasn't. You know, I mean, he was very, very good. He destroyed me in two rounds. You know, ultimately, you know, he did a better job than Mayweather. You'd say, but. I, you know, when I, when I come back after the Pacquiao fight, I was just numb, didn't know what to, but after the Mayweather fight, it's the first time I sat in the, the changing rooms after, and I just sat there on my own, you know, and people are just leaving me to it just to get me, mm. me head round, round things. And I just remember sat there and I thought, you know what, Rick, Phew, he was fucking good. Yeah. He was good. Even though the referee, you know, did do it, as we keep repeating, I keep repeating myself, but when I got him on the ropes, how he, you know, I could normally that my left hook to the body, I could put it on a one pence piece, you know, that is that place. I couldn't even, you know, when I said in Detroit, I just touched his head, you know, and I knew where the the body shot was. Um, but he was just, you know, even if I got one through, he got half a shoulder, or half a block, or half an elbow, and you know, and and moved. And the fact that he knew when to when to absorb me pressure, and then knew when to put the foot on the gas with me and stuff like that, you know. I mean, yeah, it was it was very good. I mean, to be honest with you, yeah, people ask me a lot who was the best Pacquiao or Mayweather. I'd say Mayweather all day, to be honest with you. But Pacquiao never got the best rookie hat, now, did he? Oh, no, absolutely so not. my point. So and to be honest with you, you know, don't forget, I mean, I fought Mayweather. I moved up a weight hmm? to fight yeah, Mayweather that yeah, well to weight, yeah. you know. And it's like when I look back, I was devastated at the time. When I look back now and I sit here, talking to yourself I think to myself I look back at it with a bit more pride now so you should yeah so you should retirement bought his challenges you got yourself in situations with the newspapers with drugs and and drink and stuff what was that for you I mean you, you got to bleak periods didn't you I mean, oh it was the yeah. worst worst period in my life because when I mean, we just talked about <clears throat> how devastating it was to get beat by um by Pacquiao but obviously when I got beat by Pacquiao it was um I had to sort of like say to myself, listen, Rick, you know, something you've done all your, your yeah. life since you were 10 end. years of age, that's it, Rick. You know, you're you're never going to box again now. That's it. Boxing is over. And I, I was sat there and I just thought, and I started, I thought, what what am I going to do here now? And then I started, you know, going out and I said, you know, you know, taking drugs and stuff like that. And it didn't happen that week. That week I just thought, I'm just going to go out and get pissed and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But then, you know, a few weeks of it, drink, drugs, drink, mm. drugs, weeks as the weeks went Takes by. Takes toll. Yeah, and, I'm, and every time I come home, I'm thinking about things. I'm thinking Self-loathing. About, yeah, of all the, mm. the things that went, you know, not me, no dad, no missus, no yeah. boxing, no Billy, no this. And then in the end, I come back one day and I was just started crying and I thought, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. don't want to be here anymore. I can well, kill myself. You know, mm. what, what, I've worked so hard and I can't share it with my missus. I can't share it with my mum and dad. I can't yeah. share it with Billy Graham. No boxing. What the? You know what am I doing here? You know, and I can't. You know, and I've kept trying to slit my wrists several times. Um, I got I had to phone the ambulance twice. I had two panic attacks. I thought I was having a heart attack. They weren't panic attacks. To the to the hospital. They went, well, here's Ricky Hatton again. Then the doctor was saying to me, Ricky, you're all right. It's not normal for someone to keep coming. Yeah, you've been here two or three times with panic attacks. Yeah, go and go and see someone. Yeah, go and see her. And I went, no, nah, no, nah, I'm all right. So carried on with the drink, carried on with the drugs, coming home every night, like trying to try right. to. And then um, I thought to myself, who was around you at the time? 
recuse around you. No, no one, no none, one, none no of your mates. Really, you know, no, no, I had the mates, but like you say, you know, I'd go, I'd go yeah, in the you pub. You got the smiley You could face see face. that I'm in a, a bad, bad place, yeah. Yeah. struggling, but trying to shield it, you know, disguise yeah. it, you know, and stuff like that. And then I thought to myself, I thought I can't kill, kill myself. So I thought I'll drink and drug myself to death. I think I'll go into overdrive. Right. Yeah, I do. I'll take it even more yeah. <laughs> than what I was doing anyway, and then you know. But and then I got to a stage where I didn't care who I was with, what I was doing. Yeah. You know, who the company I was in. Yeah. Didn't didn't care. And then I thought to myself one day, I thought, and it was the best thing I did. I thought to myself, I can't do this on my own. Doesn't matter what I can do in that boxing ring. I can beat him. I can do this. I can yeah. do that. I said I can't do this. So I went to um, a psychiatrist in Manchester yeah. went, you know, knocked on the books, booked in, knocked on the door. He answered the door. I fell on my knees, put my arms around his legs. I went, you need to tell me what to do. I went, I'm going to fucking kill myself. You don't tell me, give me a game plan of what to do today. I will not be fucking here tomorrow. Please help me and tell me what to do. So he come in, give me a hug, sat me down. He started talking around me and he said, all right, Rick, you know what I mean? I want you to stay here tonight. I'm going to stay there tonight. Right. The night, you know, um, and um, and then the next day he did another talk with me. He went, right, you're going to go home now, but I want you to come back tomorrow. And I kept coming back every day for a number of weeks and stuff like that. And then bit by bit, I got <clears throat> my own little regime going, you know, got, you know, keeping myself busy and, you know, filling me, you know, where didn't give myself enough time to dwell on all the, mm. all the shit, feeling yeah. sorry for myself, all the shit that had happened to me. And then, you know, you know, I'd, I'd a stent away from the pub, you know what I mean? And stuff mm. like that. And then bit by bit, just got myself together, started, you know, losing a bit of weight, feeling a little bit better. And um and that's it. The best thing I ever did was go and get it off my chest because, you know, it's you know, for the mat, it's hard for anyone, you know, to, you know, you can't go to the to the local. And I've I've got good mates, you know, I can't go to the local and say to all my mates, lads, can I have a word with you? I'm fucking crying every day. I'm drinking, I'm taking drugs like there's no tomorrow. I'm crying every day, what slipped my wrist, I'm you know. What, what do you think I should do, lads? <laughs> mm. You don't do it, do you? Do you no. know what I mean? It's, you know, so it's, I had to go to a stranger and I felt more comfortable in a stranger because yeah. he doesn't know me. I don't yeah, know yeah. him. Nothing comes out of this room and I felt comfortable, to, you know, to, to throw everything on the. And he gave you a plan and the table. He gave me a plan and yeah. it's the best thing, best thing yeah. he did. And still, you know, sometimes I get up in the morning, you know, and I feel like shit and I think to myself, Oh, what is up with me today? Here, yeah, what am I feeling? What feeling like this? All right, I'll go for a run. I'll go for a but run. You can come contextualize back. it. Yeah, now, yeah, have a cup of tea, sit down there. You know, then I'll go to the gym, train the lads. You yeah. know, then I'll pick the kids up from school and I'll set them. And then it comes about tea time, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm all, I'm all right now. It's about filling your your, yeah, your hours of your day right. with with stuff. You know, yeah. stuff to do. But them them bad days are only few and far between yeah. now. I'm very happy to say it's only yeah. every blue moon now, and that's no no intended. Oh, Man City one in there. But you know, it's only every blue moon moon now while I do have a bad day and I think if I do have a bad day I know how to keep with it and the reason why I don't have them bad days is because I've got my little, little routine and system in place that keeps me where, where I'm at you at peace now with your career the yeah. highs and lows when my you career, back on it my life you know and, and everything like I said earlier you know, nothing but positive you know for, for me at the minute I'm an ambassador for <clears throat> for mental health you know I do yes. my motivational speaking I do yeah. me, me, me sportsman's dinners and um, I get a lot of satisfaction from when I um, 
And it's strange when you go and do your sportsman's dinners and you, you hit on the, you, you do your laughs, your jokes, your funny stories, and yeah. then you hit on the mental health. And it's amazing, you know, it's not just the odd one come up to you after and go, oh, I've, took, I've took that on board, Ricky, what you said. I'll, I'll stick with that. I'm talking 15, 16, fucking 17. Every it's time, frightening. Every time we do that subject on the radio, the switchboard lights like a, like a pinball machine at a Tommy because people, because they see guys like you and they think you're indestructible. They think that you can't have the challenges that they have. You can't have the difficulties of facing life and the consequences of either your own behavior, the experiences that you've had, or the disappointments. And when they hear someone like you yeah. say it, they go, oh, right, okay, I can, I, can, I can relate. I can see my way through. So it's a massive thing. Yeah. It's a massive thing. Like I mentioned, you know, earlier, you know, you know, it's like that's like my my um, medication, you know, making people happy and smile yeah. makes me feel good about myself yeah. that I'm making them um, smile and happy. But I think the top and bottom of it is in my life now. They said, "Where you're happy, you're at peace." Now, absolutely, I train my professional boxers now because if I can, you know. If I, you know, well, some of my boxers come up to me over the years that I've trained and they turn around and say, oh, Ricky, I've paid my mortgage off now. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Yeah. Oh, there's my job done. Absolutely. Right. You know, when someone says, oh, I've been able to get, I've just bought my first car, Rick. Oh, nice one of it. Giving a little bit back to the sport that was Boxing so good at the to me. Of it again yeah, for you. And it's given me, you know, some of the things, me and my family, some of the things I could have never dreamt of. And, you know, if I can help someone in my sportsman's dinner, some my motivational speaking, you know, that's someone, there's someone out there that are in the same boat I was in a few mm. years ago. So if something that I says helps one of them, that's what I'm here for, to give a little bit back. Mm. And like, since, you know, since I got on the straight, I've been on the straight and narrow for a good few years. I'm not ready for my pipe and slippers just yet. No. I'm not Mother Teresa, you know, no. but I mean, and that's the point I'm making, Ricky Atten today. Good. I'd, I'd love to go Vegas and lift them belts up again and here yeah. there's only one Ricky Atten, but that's not going to happen. But if I am honest, Ricky Atten's never been in a better place. Mm. But you did all those things. Yeah, yeah. And there's many people that could only dream of being within yeah. a, a whiff of it. You're going on a... Dancing with ice. Yeah. Right. How are you going to fare on that? Um, I I said, yeah, I'll go on it. And then the first time um, they did like a master class in London and the first time I went on the ice, I went like that. I went, whoa. I thought, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm bitten off a bit more than I can. You're uh, a good balance, aren't you? Can chip, not on the ice. Not on the ice. No, though. in the ring, in the boxing ring, not the ice ring. Well, oh. I mean, they're translating the end, <laughs> weren't it? Yeah. Well, the but end. I got there and I thought, oh, I mean. I've a full ice over tip. Yeah, I that. thought. Have I jumped the gun here a little bit right. too much? Have I signed up for something I'm just not capable of not capable of doing here? But you know, over the last few weeks, you know, over the weeks I've got better and better and better. You know, I'm gliding and this and certain moves. And I'm, I met my partner the other day and we did like a few different sequences. And I've I've gone from thinking, you know, Phew, no chance. I've, I've took on too much here to thinking that I might have half a chance. Don't get me wrong. Win. Not half a chance of winning it. <laughs> <laughs> half a chance of coming out of it alive. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's everything, you know, everything I'm doing now, I, I, tr I try, try my best. I'm not perfect, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not ready for my pipe and slippers, but anything that I can do, whether it's with my boxers in the gym to, you know, to, to give them something that I've got or whether it's doing dancing on ice or exhibitions or documentaries, something that's going to make people smile and happy now. Well done, mate. Thanks for being so much fun with Pleasure. me today. Upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly.